What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Pro Football Focus has become the go-to name in football analytics. The Cincinnati-based company works with all 32 NFL teams and more than 150 college football teams, including 95% of Power 5. More than 20 million people see their data each week on Sunday Night Football, and the business was valued at $160 million in 2021. But Pro Football Focus has changed a lot over the last few years. For example, PFF raised $50 million from private equity firm Silver Lake last year, with the idea to expand into European football and more consumer products. PFF also conducted layoffs last year, firing 7% of the company's salaried workforce. And many people are now starting to wonder what the long-term future for the Chris Collinsworth-owned company actually looks like. So today's podcast is going to break down the money and business behind PFF, including its founding, its fast rise in the world of football, and where the business stands today. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this breakdown, so let's get right into it. Okay, so the Pro Football Focus story, or PFF for short, starts in 2007. There's this guy named Neil Hornsby, who was living 30 miles north of London in a town called Luton. Now, Neil had a degree in physics, and he ran this consulting service that did process and program management advising for the hotel industry. But more importantly... Neil started watching American football for a couple decades prior. I believe he said that he watched his first game in 1983 when he was a student at the University of Liverpool. He didn't actually go to his first American football game until his mid-40s, but he became a fan of the sport. And what he realized is that as he started looking for more stuff online, as the internet became more important in the early 2000s, he would watch games. But the analytics and the details and the data behind these games were incredibly bad, especially for a league like the NFL. So what does Hornsby do? Hornsby launches something called PFF, Pro Football Focus. The initial idea of PFF was twofold. Number one, he wanted to create a better scouting and analysis process based on NFL game film. And number two, he just wanted to meet other NFL fans. I have this quote here from The Ringer in 2019. Neil Hornsby said, and I quote, I'd go to the gym and train with me buddies. And all they wanted to talk about was Liverpool against Chelsea. Nobody gave up monkeys about who and what was happening in the NFL. So when I started PFF, It was really to try and have some interesting conversations with high-end fans in the U.S. And I think what we did was sort of overshot our target market a bit. Now, let's be honest. Things started out kind of slow for PFF. What was happening initially was Neil was going around. He was analyzing all of the NFL games and providing detailed reports, somewhat similar to what you see with PFF today, but obviously an earlier stage. And it wasn't nearly as popular. PFF was only generating 80 page views per week at the time. But Neil Hornsby kept at it. And really the guarantee was from PFF that made it special was that they were guaranteeing the evaluation of every play, of every player, of every game throughout the NFL season. So if you wanted to go see how your random, you know, second string D lineman performed on a week seven game against a bad team that no one cared about, PFF had you covered. Literally every single play of every player of every game throughout the entire NFL season, they were going to grade and provide you with analysis of how that player performed. So this helped them a lot, obviously. Their work started to spread amongst NFL analysts, fantasy football players, sports bettors, and more. Then, PFF received its big break in 2009. So if we're keeping a look at the timeline visually here, the company started in 2007, now we're in 2009. This is when Hornsby publishes a full analysis of the 2008 NFL season just one week before the 2009 NFL season. So right before the season was about to start in 2009, he publishes this super detailed report breaking down the entire 2008 NFL season. 
This report was extremely detailed and it caught the attention of John Berger. So for those of you who don't know who John Berger is, he was the director of football information for the New York Giants, obviously an NFL team. Now, this was important because this kicked off a relationship between PFF and the New York Giants, including detailed scouting reports sent to the team weekly and even during their 2011 Super Bowl run. There's this quote from the Wall Street Journal. John Berger told them in 2012, it's definitely invaluable information. And to just give you guys a little bit of context on how important this was at the time, the Wall Street Journal said that he wouldn't expand on that because he didn't want to give other teams a competitive advantage by telling them what they were doing with the data. The title of this article, if you want to go read more, is called In Super Bowl, Giants Go Long for a Number Cruncher. He was supplying data to the New York Giants at this point, right? So this became a big story of how the Giants received some sort of edge by having access to PFF's data. So this was the big break for PFF, albeit not as big as some other ones that came later on. But let's stick to this. So it's 2009. This becomes really big. 2012, the Giants win the Super Bowl. Word gets out that the Giants are using some of this data. Neil Hornsby then shuts down his consulting business and decided to focus on PFF full time, even though that meant taking an 80% pay cut. He couldn't pay himself nearly as much as he was making on his consulting business. He takes an 80% pay cut and he goes to work on PFF full time. This helped PFF add 12 more NFL clients, and the company was doing $1 million in annual revenue by 2014. So two years or three years, I guess, after the Giants Super Bowl run, they're now doing a $1 million in annual revenue and working with 13 NFL clients, the Giants, and then they added 12 others since Neil went full-time. Now, look, if we zoom out for a second, we just look at PFF today. This company has come a long way over the last decade. So from 2014 to 2023 today, those nine years, PFF has changed dramatically. The analytics company now provides weekly proprietary data to all 32 NFL teams. So every single team they work with across the NFL, as well as 150 college football programs, like I said, including 95% of all power five college football programs. These are all the big schools that you think about, right? Alabama, Texas, USC, Georgia, like all the big schools, they all have access to the PFF data. Now, if you look at their business specifically, it really has three parts. And these three parts, number one would be professional services. So Professional services includes team services. PFF provides exclusive data on players and games to NFL, NCAA, and CFL teams. Like I said, they're working with all 32 teams, 150 in college football, and these teams are paying a lot of money. NFL teams reportedly pay high six figures per year for access to this data. Obviously, if you multiply that by 32, that's a lot of money. The college football teams pay a little bit less. They pay in the mid five-figure range or potentially more depending on the data set that they're getting. But again, if you multiply that by 150 college football teams and 95% of them being power five teams, that's a lot of money. The second part of the professional services aspect of this would be the agents. They actually give reports to football agents to use in negotiations for their clients. And this is no joke. This actually happens. When agents go in and they negotiate for their clients to either get more money or get signed to a team, they access, in some cases, PFF data. Now, some of this is obviously public knowledge that the agents can get offline or off social media or wherever, but some of this is done through a agency service that PFF offers. So it's exclusive data where the agents can go to PFF and ask them for breakdowns basically on their free agents or on their athletes to go and negotiate better contracts with the teams. The third part of the professional services is media services. So this is football data that the company provides to sports information directors, SIDs, and communications of the NFL teams, NCAA D1 teams for weekly game notes, social media content, et cetera. It's just anything that you see in the media, they're typically accessing that data because they paid PFF in some regard. 
So those three things fall under what we'll call bucket number one, which is professional services. It's five, six, seven figure contracts with NFL teams, college football teams, agents, and media services for access to that data. Number two, the second biggest bucket for PFF would be subscriptions. Subscriptions is a big part of their business because you can go on the PFF website and access free data, but they also have a subscription service called PFF Plus. This product is marketed really to like diehard NFL and NCAA football fans, fantasy football players, sports bettors, et cetera. You get the point. It costs $25 per month if you do the per month option, and it drops down to $10 per month if you're billed annually. That's a nice business for PFF too, and it's one of the things that we'll talk about a little bit later as one of the things that they're focusing on. So that's bucket number two. So, so far we have professional services, the teams, et cetera, paying them for access to the data. Subscriptions is number two, which is people like you or I, fans of the sport, paying them for the data on a monthly or annual basis. And bucket number three would just be content. It's things like this podcast, right? PFF creates a variety of digital content, including written pieces and podcasts. Now, most of this content is free for people to listen to or read or watch, and it's monetized through advertisements with companies like FanDuel or DraftKings or whoever. And then a smaller portion of the content business is used as an upsell within the PFF plus paywall. So it's behind the paywall and you have to have a subscription to access it. Now, look, the PFF brand has grown a lot too. For example, PFF now has more than 3.6 million followers on social media. 3.6 million followers. Of course, we're talking about everything. We're talking about all of their main accounts, their sub accounts. We're talking about Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, whatever. All of the accounts, if you add them up, it's over 3.6 million followers on social media. That's obviously a tremendous following across all platforms. They now have about 200 full-time corporate employees. They also, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe they have at least 100 or a couple hundred part-time employees who work as graders for the games. And you'll see their data commonly referenced on Sunday Night Football. One of the examples that I always like to give, next time you watch Sunday Night Football, I'm sure some of you know this, so I don't want to dumb it down too much, but if you watch Sunday Night Football and they do the player introductions, they'll say, I'm Daniel Jones, quarterback of the New York Giants. I went to Duke University. And underneath, you'll see PFF position rank. And it will tell you where PFF has them ranked for their position across the entire NFL. So it'll have you know him at wherever he is for a quarterback. It'll say the same for a running back. And it's super helpful for people who either don't follow that team super closely or people who don't follow the NFL super closely. So you can see just really quickly, hey, where does PFF have this person ranked? And you can have some sort of resemblance behind it, knowing that a lot of data and analysis went into this. And whether you believe PFF to be super accurate or not, you know that there's at least a thought process and an analytical process being applied to this where you can comfortably say, okay, that's you know somewhat in the range of where this person should and would be ranked if I was observing the data too. Now, PFF certainly has a good product. That's without a doubt. I think most people would agree with that. But Chris Collinsworth deserves a lot of credit too. Now, you guys know Chris Collinsworth as the announcer on Sunday Night Football for NBC. He was also a wide receiver in the NFL, but he first heard about PFF in 2014. He was looking essentially to boost his data collection to prepare for Sunday Night Football. Now, for those of you that don't know the way this works, I talked to Troy Aikman about this last year. These announcers, specifically the color commentators, the ones that are commentating on the actual plays of the, you know, the players and how the teams are reacting and the things that they're doing throughout the game. They have a tremendous amount of prep work that goes into this, specifically if they want to be really prepared. So guys like Tony Romo, guys like Troy Aikman, guys like Rick Collinsworth, they have a lot of work. Kirk Herbstreit, the list goes on, right? The best people in the game at this. They're studying for two, three, four days at a time for the matchup that they have that weekend. They know the numbers of the players. They have it all memorized. They know the formations that they're running. They know everything about them. 
right? So this takes two, three, four days at a time. And what Chris Collinsworth was looking to do in 2014 was reduce the amount of time that it took him to prepare for a game. He used to do everything manually. All these guys did. Everything was manual. You had to go watch game film. You had to compile the stats. Sure, maybe you had someone helping you out with it. But again, it was all manual. So he went to PFF. He bought an annual subscription and he found that he could drastically reduce his studying process. So it went from like a two-day thing to like a one-day thing. Having one day back in your week is obviously really beneficial. So Chris Collinsworth was super impressed and he sent an email to the PFF website. So he literally went on the PFF website, sent a cold email, and he got a call back from Neil Hornsby. And he actually thought Neil Hornsby was scamming him at first. He told Peter King at Sports Illustrated that when he answered the phone, Hornsby had an English accent. And he said, I thought I'd been scammed. So I figured I would ask him a bunch of questions, you know, to expose him. And after about five minutes, I could tell he was absolutely legit. So I just shut up and listened to Neil talk about football at a very high level. So obviously, Chris Collinsworth was impressed with the knowledge that Neil had. I mean, Neil had been doing this for a decade at this point. He knew all of the analytics. He knew how to apply them to the game. He knew the answers that Chris would have wanted to hear. But Chris decided to test it, right? So Collinsworth gave Hornsby a game and he said, let's grade this game individually. And he was super impressed with the outcome because they had nearly identical grades for the same game. And Chris says the part of the grades that they didn't agree on, he went back and looked. And in most cases, Hornsby was actually right. So he was super impressed with his ability to look at the games, analyze them, grade them, et cetera. So in 2014, just a few months after he wrote that email submission form on their website, Collinsworth reached an agreement with Neil to buy a majority stake in PFF for $6 million. So I don't know exactly how much he bought. I don't know if it was 51%. I don't know if it was 99%, but he bought a majority stake for $6 million. So we can comfortably say the business is valued somewhere between, I don't know, $6 million, $12 million. We'll call it $10 million at the time. 2014, he buys a majority stake, $6 million. Hornsby then shifted, right? Neil Hornsby, the founder of the business, shifted from CEO to COO, and he moved his family and the company, obviously, from England to Cincinnati. Cincinnati is where Chris Collinsworth lives, and he thought they should all be in the same office together. So Chris Collinsworth essentially buys the company for $6 million in 2014. Neil is now working alongside him. I assume still had some equity in the business, moves the family and the company from England to Cincinnati. Now, this ended up being a super smart move for PFF because Chris Collinsworth has a bunch of connections. I mean, this guy played in the NFL. He's worked for NBC for a very long time. He knows everyone you could possibly imagine. And he was the one that really helped PFF break into college football analysis. So they obviously had all the NFL teams, which he was impressed they were able to do. And he has publicly said was one of the selling points that Neil was able to get behind the wall of NFL owners. He said that was super impressive. So what does he do? He buys the business. He goes, he gets it installed in college football programs across the country. And he also helped PFF grades become a feature on NBC Sunday Night Football. So where I talked about how you can see it on the bottom of the screen during introductions, Chris Collinsworth, as the color commentator for the network, was the one that got put that on Sunday Night Football. And that's really only a fraction of what PFF provides Sunday Night Football for broadcasts. They use the data during in-game commentary. They provide 80-page scouting reports for producers and much more. So they become an integral part of the NBC Sunday Night Football broadcast. And a lot of that is because of Chris Collinsworth, and obviously he owns the business, so what's good for him, what's good for PFF is good for everyone else as well. Now, look, we all know PFF is a household name today. The company went from being valued at $10 million approximately when Chris Collinsworth bought a majority stake for $6 million in 2014 to $160 million when Silver Lake invested $50 million. So look, that's kind of like a big sentence right there, and I just want to break it down for you. Again, when Chris Collinsworth bought the business, he paid $6 million for majority stake in 2014. In 2021, seven years later, 
Silver Lake, a private equity firm, invested $50 million in the company at a $160 million valuation. So whatever, maybe they bought 30%, 40%, whatever it is. They invested $50 million in the business at a $160 million valuation. So the company went from being worth $10 million approximately to $160 million in the span of seven years. And obviously, Chris Collinsworth made a shit ton of money on that because he was the owner of the business. But still, that doesn't mean everything is going well. The company talks about how they were going to break into soccer and potentially rugby. And they talk about why the explosion of fantasy football and sports betting will drive their valuation even higher. But PFF laid off 16 full-time employees and 11 interns last year. Again, like I said, representing 7% of their salaried workforce. Founder Neil Hornsby also left the company due to a reported power struggle in 2021 after a year-long sabbatical. And PFF reportedly spent a large amount of Silver Tribe's $50 million on developing an iPhone app. Now, many people still believe in the long-term vision of PFF, of course. Data is only becoming more prevalent in sports, and with so many untapped markets still to explore, we're talking about international expansion, sports betting, soccer, fantasy sports, and more. PFF may still be a billion-dollar business one day. That's why I look at this, personally me, as more growing pains for a small business becoming a big business. Chris Collinsworth has never had to be a CEO before, and NBC certainly takes up a lot of his time during the NFL season. That's why hiring good people is paramount, but I'm more interested in seeing how the business performs over the next decade. PFF has a big, big, big lead on the competition. Now let's see if they can hold everyone off. That's it for today, though, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. All I ask is that if you enjoy this podcast or any of my podcasts, you just share it with a friend. Help me help you by making this podcast bigger and better than ever before. I hope everyone has a great day, and we'll talk later this week.